morning will be in um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And as we, uh, as we dive in and begin to read, um, know that this is, um, that Paul is writing this to people that he ministered with, a church that he planted and served alongside them for three years. And so he's writing this encouragement to them. And we'll read through the whole thing. Uh, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God who is so rich in mercy, Amen. because he loved us so much, that even that we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Amen. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us is shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace. When you Amen. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Yeah. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Amen. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So as I mentioned, that um, Paul has served alongside these people. So what do we know about this letter? Because I think it's important that we step back and look at the context where Paul was writing and, um, and what was happening in that time. So he's, um, he wrote this letter in about 61 AD from Rome while he was already imprisoned. Um, he's writing to the Ephesians, again, from churches where he had planted um, in Ephesus where he ministered alongside, and what, you know what that means, like you all serve it every year, you're doing it every day, serving alongside one another, growing together, raising up leaders, um, discipling, um, writing out of this strong connection. Um, Ephesus was a, uh, was a city, was kind of a, a bustling riches, there was, um, it was a place where people would, uh, would pass through, and there was a god, um, a, a statue, uh, where people would worship this fertility, God. So people would come in, it brought a lot of commerce into, into the city. So as you can imagine, as the church in Ephesus was planted and um, people began to follow Jesus, then one God um, that was certainly counter to the culture that they were living in. And I think we can see some parallels <coughs> for that here today. And again, the purpose of this letter, some of, the, um, some of Paul's letters are written to places he may not have served, but where, um, where some of his uh, his followers and people he had poured into had served. Um, and sometimes they're written to correct something or to help clarify something about the gospel or, or a truth. But in this case, it was really a letter written from love uh, to encourage uh, the believers who were there out of just that strong connection that they had for them and also to um, solidify um, the role of the church, the local church, in, uh, in their world and certainly in ours too. So we read these words in context and then we 
think and pray about, okay, so what does that mean for us today? And before we fully dive in, I'll say that, um, that this, so we're in the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1. And in <coughs> chapter 1, um, at the end of that chapter, Paul is praying for uh, spiritual wisdom uh, and strength for, uh, for the people of Ephesus, uh, for the Christian believers. Um, and if you think he's, he says, um, let's see. Uh, I pray I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow into the knowledge of God. I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope that he is giving. So he's encouraging them, leading up to this <coughs> passage, which starts in kind of a little bit of an uncomfortable place, because who likes to think about sin, right? Um, for the very, I know, the very last verse is, and the church is his body. His body, uh, made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So let's take this piece um, in, in this, this first part, reminding, reminding them where they were before he came and before they heard the gospel and God's truth and began to live, uh, live Jesus' way. Um, because you were dead, spiritually dead, um, in sin. And yeah, I really am going to talk about sin for a little bit, hang in there with me, and I promise we won't linger here, but it's really important that we spend some time here because understanding it helps us to remove the lenses that distort how we see our own shortcomings. And in doing that, we diminish and we don't get to see the fullness of God's forgiveness mm -hmm. and his grace and his love for us. So yeah. we're diminishing both when we when we, won't look, when we don't look at that. Um, we have no problem looking at that. <laughs> for uh, those of you who have um, uh, ever heard Brene Brown, she did a um, TED Talk, written, mm -hmm. lots of, uh, written lots of lots of things, but she talks about numbing, like when we numb pain, mm -hmm. we also numb joy and love and our connectedness mm -hmm. with other people, and the similar thing here is too. If we distort the way we look at our own need for Jesus, we miss what he's really done for us. So, um, but it's cast different. So if we look at, uh, look at the word for sin here, uh, the Greek word is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. And the word used in Hebrew, Hebrew is the same thing, miss the mark. So what mark are we talking about? <coughs> We're talking about God's mark. Um, Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, and then goes on, and I recall a couple weeks ago when uh, Will was preaching, and you all wrestled a little bit with, what is the glory of God? What does that really mean? And he shares this beautiful definition of the glory of God is man, fully alive in him, functioning the way we were meant to be. Um, and this happens in relationship and intimacy with God. So where are those ways that maybe we fall short and we're missing the mark and can we be honest with ourselves? about them. <clears throat> he goes on in verse 3 to say, all of us used to live this way. And notice he says all. And he, so he's, he's reminding he's not condemning. He's inclusive. He's not excluding or isolating people. Uh, but he's, he's helping them to see that we're all part of this. And remember, this is Paul. Paul, the former Pharisee who was Saul, who persecuted the followers of Jesus and even sanctioned their killing, yeah. the stoning yeah. death of, of Stephen. Um, but Jesus would intersect his path and transform his life and, re and redirect him. And so this is Paul who's saying, we all live that way, and he's including himself in that. 
So I'll use myself as an example. Um, you know, growing up, I thought I made pretty good choices. You know, it's pretty good. I like to stay out of trouble. <laughs> um, like to be in good graces with teachers and parents. It was pretty compliant. So I would, wouldn't really have seen myself as being sinful, even when I may not have told the truth about my homework this time. <laughs> or the dirty clothes were on the laundry and not under my bed, or you know, th things like. But but that then carries into and how we live our life. And I've known Jesus and loved Him my whole life, mm -hmm. but it's really been over this last decade that I've grown to know and love Him, and He's come, He's come to life in new ways mm -hmm. uh, in my life, as I could see my absolute need for Him. Mm -hmm. In first in the letter, um, Paul's letter, the uh, first letter to the Corinthians, he warns. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. ESV <laughs> says, take heed lest you fall. It's so easy to think, oh, we're not going to give into temptation. We're, we're pretty good. We're, we're good. Um, but to, to, to really be honest with ourselves and with him about that. So growing up, I loved Jesus. I knew that he died um, for, for the sins of the world. Um, the problem was, I was thinking about in the sins of the world while I was grateful, and I knew that it applied to me if I were to sin. Um, I didn't recognize all of those ways that I felt that I fell short and didn't see things, those missteps, ways I was missing the mark was actually sin. But then as I became older and then parent and working, and I didn't see the idolatry of my family or my work, as idolatry, you know, I was like, I'm not making golden calves. Jesus, I promised I would never do that. You know, it, but but we can create idols of things around us and realize that um, that we're falling short in those ways. Yeah, I knew that loving and believing in Him opened the way for heaven, which in itself was amazing. Um, but it didn't change how I lived or how I thought or how I <coughs> with other people. As I shared, self-deception about the areas of sin, sin in our life is a power, powerful diminisher. Um, not only about our sin, but it diminishes how we see God's beauty and his grace and the depth of his forgiveness and his love. So the question for all of us is, are we willing to look? Uh, are we willing to ask Jesus? Uh, Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along a path of everlasting life. So we ask him, test, show me. Like We're sometimes blind to, uh, to some of the things. And then he doesn't just point it and shake his finger at us. He leads us. He shows us a way out. Uh, and then we go into verse, uh, verse 4 in our passage for this morning there. I don't know if, um, Ben, you can pull that, um, pull that up. But God is so rich in mercy. So he doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us in a place of shame. But God, who is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead, spiritually dead, he gave us life. He gives us new life. He makes us new. Uh, when he, we, were made, we were given life when Christ was raised uh, from the dead. Um, he gave them life, the Ephesians. He gives us life today. By grace, We've been saved mm. through faith. For eternity, yes, but for our lives today. So it's not just some future. We can live our lives differently in him and because of him and because of the way he guides us um, and directs us. He gives us life. 
He raised mm -hmm. us up. Scripture says he seated us in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. And we know for eternity that means we will be seated with him. But even now, like being seated with, with him helps to lift us up out of our perspective. Um, another TED Talk speaker, um, author, he is, his name is William Urey. Um, if you're familiar with him, he did, he did a TED Talk a while back that I came across five years ago. He's a, he's a negotiator that helps bring resolution in serious, long-standing conflicts all around the world. Um, and he introduces the concept of the, his, the book that I draw this from is called The Third Side. Um, the third side of any conflict or any, mm -hmm. any interchange because sometimes when we're in the middle of something we can see ourselves and the person in front of us and that's all we see and so he introduces the concept of going to the balcony there's always a third side mm -hmm. so to lift up and to see to see from a different perspective and what God would show me in this time is that perspective that we're seeking isn't just this objective third perspective Jesus show me what you see and it was a game changer for me it changed the way I think it changed the way I pray um, because we can lift out of a situation and, um, and gain, he can share with us his perspective um, from that heavenly place. So now I pray, God, show me what you see. How do you see this situation? How do you see this person that I'm really frustrated or this whatever that I'm very frustrated about? How do you see me in this and help me to see me and my motivations and what, how I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm fully right, of course. Um, but, seeking his, but seeking his perspective. Um, and so he's just redefined my understanding over time because I sometimes can use that as a way to just remove myself from the conflict and then de-escalate myself. But he really calls us to re-enter um, with his perspective and to make peace in the situation that we're in. Blessed are the peacemakers as um, Edward had shared when you all walked through the Sermon on the Mount um, a number of months ago. So just that, um, he calls us to do that. And it's not necessarily the way of the world or the way of a lot of people, but as his children, his followers were called to see differently. Um, then moving on um, in verse, uh, verses 8 and 9, again, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. These two verses are so clarifying because it's so easy to get things mixed up. I grew up thinking that I had to earn God's favor, that I had to earn his forgiveness, that I had to be good enough to be loved by him or to be considered, Did I do I have a place that you like that just in heaven like that wasn't, you know, when I when I get to the end, what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Like that wasn't certain for me. Um, because I had it, I had it turned around, just the way what what I had had grown up and learned and learned to believe. Um, last night we had an opportunity to spend some time with uh, with a few partners over dinner last night, which was just a really uh, sweet time. And um, one of the women shared so beautifully out of her perspective as we were talking about serving and doing good things. And she was saying, you know, it comes from a place of love. It's out of our love for Jesus. Uh, that we do that, not to earn his love. So how are you living that out today? Um, today. We're, and every day. Yeah. We're saved by grace. Um, when you believed already, we don't take credit for it. It's not a reward. He did it. It's finished. Um, but we live in this tension. So it's, we're already forgiven. 
um, he's forming us into his likeness. And eventually, we don't ever get it 100% right this side of heaven. Um, but we continue moving there. So we live in that tension of knowing that we are loved and saved and forgiven, but still wrestling with all the things that, that trip us up every single day. And so we live in that tension. Um, maybe one day we'll have an opportunity to spend some time talking about that and how he transforms our mind and our hearts uh, to not conform to the patterns of this world, uh, but to live differently because of him. And then in verse 10, so we are his masterpiece. Um, some of the other versions um, talk about his workmanship, his handiwork. Uh, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He created us new. Amen. He makes us alive in him because of him so that we can do good things, good works. Here are those works again, right? Not yeah. to earn it, uh, but the works that he planned for us long ago beforehand at the foundation of the world. So this is Trinity Sunday. We're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there, were there together. Um, were there together at the beginning. And to get our, to wrap our minds and arms around the fact that in that moment as they were speaking this world into existence, speaking life into existence, he had you in his mind at that time. And the plans that he was establishing for you, knowing that it would be in this time and this generation that we would walk this earth and walk into those plans, but to, to really understand that, um, that he knows you and loves you and had you in mind from the very, very beginning. So what are those good things um, that he has planned? How do we live fully alive for his glory, functioning the way that we are meant to be in a living, life-giving relationship with him? Some of you may be fully walking in that this season already. Others you may be considering this for the very first time. But it's encouraging you to, to lean in and to seek him in that. And he will show you. He will. Earlier we read, um, Eduardo read for us Matthew 28, um, 16 to 20, the Great Commission um, as we know it. Uh, so his 11 disciples meet him. This is after he had, um, they, had, they had walked with him for three years. They watched him die on a cross. Yeah. They know that he has been raised. They've been walking with him. And they worshipped him, and some of them doubted. Even those 11 who walked with him in those days. So it's natural that we sometimes were like, God, could you use me for anything? <laughs> um, but he can. Um, but to, to recognize it's part of our human nature, I think, to doubt. Um, but as we grow in relationship with him, we can trust him um, more and more. When he says all authority has been given to him, um, and he gave it to his disciples, he gave it to us. Paul is sharing it again. He passes his authority out of the, out of the anchor of our relationship um, with him. He gives us power and authority to, to go, not simply to tell 
and just whop people upside the head with Jesus, um, but to walk alongside and to build relationships and to share his love in ways that people may not necessarily be expecting to see or see every day in the world, but to be able to encourage and build those relationships and walk alongside and help people discover him uh, and learn mm -hmm. to walk oh, with him. <laughs> and then the last part of that, and he is with us always, always, always to the end of the age. We're never alone, um, even in those times where we feel really alone. We're scared, we're frustrated, or something didn't turn out the way we hoped. Um, but he's with us in each of those each of those things um, but God, right? So how do we respond? What do we do with this? So uh, a few things we can do is just pray to see the personal nature of our salvation and that's where, you know, being honest with him and asking him to show us, Lord, show me what you see um, and then help me, <laughs> lead me, uh, lead me out of it because um, our, our salvation is personal. Jesus came for the whole world to save the world, um, not to condemn the world, but not just the world, for you, mm. for you, for you, and for, and for me, and for each one of us. Uh, so it's personal. So to, to, to seek him and have him help you to discover and see the personal nature of our salvation and what it means not only for eternity, but what it means for right now and how we live and love right through this. And then we can reflect on the magnitude of knowing that he had you and me in mind and heart at the beginning of the world, knowing that we would be here now in this place, uh, in this time, with the unique set of gifts and experience and wiring and temperament and all of the, all of the things that make us unique, that he had those things in mind and knew that this is what our world would need in this time. And then open your heart and mind to the good works that he has planned for you. Whatever they may be, they'll be unique. Um, but notice, pray for his wisdom and his guidance. Um, we prayed through Ephesians 1 briefly, but how you might walk, walk those out um, to do those good things, not to earn his grace uh, or his love, but because of it. Um, out of love. That's our response. And so finally, I have three truths to take with you, and they might be on a slide um, that I would like you to take, um, take with you today, along with whatever else God has put in your heart. Um, just know that he knows you, um, and he invites you to know him and to walk with Jesus, to learn to walk and make decisions, our daily decisions, in step with the Spirit, um, acting out of his spirit as opposed to reacting and acting out of our own flesh or our emotions um, or our own will. Know that he loves you more than you can think or imagine, more than we can think or imagine, but God, he's so rich in mercy. He not only didn't, um, doesn't condemn us, but he pours so much love and grace on us. He delights in you. He sings over you. He came and he gave that we might have life fully living in him as he attended, intended. And he lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, dwells in you. The Holy Spirit empowers you, encourages you, 
comforts you and will guide you and me. So in response to these, he invites us to do the good things that he planned long ago beforehand. Those unique works for each of us with our own set of gifts and experience that he's constantly leaving and preparing in ways that we don't even have a clue what he's doing at the time. And then we can look back and say, oh, that's what you were doing. Um, but to love him and love others um, and to help them come to know uh, and walk with him. Um, not to earn his love, but because of it. Um, being Jesus-y, I'll borrow one of your terms, um, within our conversations. That was, that was gorgeous. But I, I love it so much. Like it's, He forms us into his image. We want to be Jesus in this world. So to love like he loves. It's Jesus-y. I'll borrow that. It's great. Um, but so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Amen. So let's pray. God, you are so good and you are generous and kind and merciful and loving you're patient you're always working always moving even when we can't see it even when things don't make sense um well god we trust you we believe that your word is true we know that you love us that you formed us um, that you dwell within us uh, and that you Above all things, want us to know you and walk with you, that what we might be fully alive, unencumbered by the stresses and the challenges that we face every single day. Lord, um, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus and the love that he gives and the sacrifice that he made that we could know you um, and live for you um, in this world. Lord, help us to um, seek um, the personal nature of our salvation. Lord, that we would uh, take you would take those scales off of our eyes to see not only um, not only where we may be convincing ourselves that we're doing pretty good, but maybe falling short, so that we can also see your absolute beauty and your grace and your goodness uh, and the depth of your love for us and how much you've forgiven. Um, and that you will guide. Um, I just want fellowship with each one of us. Lord, help us to rest in you. Help us to cling tight and know that if any one of us were the only person on earth, you would still have come. Amen. You would still have gave, given. You would still have saved us. You would still have risen and overcome death that we might have life fully living in you through your spirit. Lord, we uh, trust you with all things. Um, we hand our worries uh, to you, and we look to you for guidance um, in our lives. Help to uh, help to direct our steps. Help us to keep in step with you and not get too far ahead or fall behind. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, as we prepare for communion.